<laughs> Art thou feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? Oh, welcome, Brian, to welcome. my bedroom. I feel like I've seen you here before. Just a couple times. How was your week? It's been a good week. Boss is gone, so it's been <laughs> kind of more relaxing at work, but... More relaxing when he's gone? I hope he doesn't listen, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess I'm good thanks for asking <laughs> oh my gosh you don't even care about me I do care never ask how was your week I don't want to tell you <laughs> alright well welcome listeners how many we have now two oh wait that was before Five? I might have three or four now <laughs> I don't know what else to say about my life. Anything interesting happened? Anything that we should share? We got our Mustang tore apart. I don't have a Mustang. This is Brian's Mustang. Yeah. Nobody cares, Brian. <laughs> Ralph cares. Shout out to Ralph. Woo <laughs> uh, I don't even know what's happening. I think I've lost my mind. We're on episode five, huh? Mm-hmm. How many of you started? We should have done this for Cinco de Mayo. Episode five. <laughs> you guys, we're going to wait to release episode five till May 5th. Can you hold on? Uh, well, this will be our Valentine's Week episode. Yeah. And you're my Valentine, and I love you. Even though Valentine's falls on Taco Tuesday. Yes, it's on Taco Tuesday. Um, so this week, are we just jumping into it? Sure. Sure. Okay, we're just jumping into it, guys. Um, this week we're doing it a little bit different. Um, we decided to do a combined episode, meaning there is a murder and a haunting in the same location. Um. I'm going to go first, even though it's not my turn, because murder happens before haunting, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Ronald DeFeo, Jr., not senior. Um, Ronald DeFeo, Jr., a.k.a. Butch, was born September 26th of 1951 in Brooklyn, New York. On November 13th of 1974, around 6.30 p.m., Ronald entered into Harry's bar and just exclaims, You guys gotta help me. I think my mother and father are shot. Which, first of all, why didn't you call the police? Right? He's like, why did you think run they might have the been shot? I don't know, yo. Why did you run to the bar? Like, that <laughs> makes no sense. So, already off to a weird start. But anyway, either way, um, Ronald and a small group from the bar went to 112 Ocean Avenue, which was located actually near the bar. So I guess he didn't go too far, but still yeah. called the police. Um, so upon entering the home, they found both of Ronald's parents dead. They had been shot and they were in their bed. So Ronald's friend, Joe Yeswit, I don't even know if that's really how you say it, but that's what it looks like. Yes, Witt. Yes, <laughs> um, He called the Suffolk County Police. When the police got there and searched the house, they actually found Ronald's 
entire family all dead in their beds. So the victims are Ronald DeFeo Sr., his father, age 43, Luis DeFeo, age 43, which is his mother, his younger sister, Dawn, 18, his younger sister, Allison, 13, his younger brother, Mark, 12, and his younger brother, John, 9. So six family members in total, and it leaves him being like the lone survivor of his family. Um, the entire family had been shot with a thirty-five caliber rifle while they slept. Ugh. Now remember, I told you he went to the bar at six thirty p.m. Just coming in and being like, "My family's been shot," or "My parents been shot." So already he's just. This isn't going well so far. Um, When they did autopsies, actually, evidence suggested that Louise and Allison may have actually been, like, awake at the time of their deaths. Which is sad. sad. Yeah. It's just sad. Um, Ronald was the oldest DeFeo child, and he was 24 years old. Like I said, he's the only survivor of the family. When he's talking to police... He tells them that he thought the murders may have been the work of mob hitman Louis Fellini. So he's like, my family been shot. And I think it's this mob guy. Louis Fellini. He seems like the right guy. Police feared for Ronald's safety when hearing this and took him to the station for his protection. Um, Upon interviewing Ronald, though, they started noticing some inconsistencies in his story. Um, Also, they found out that the hitman that Ronald was accusing of murdering his family wasn't even in the state. (laughs) I was going to throw some random name out there. He did it. Well, if you're going to blame someone, (laughs) I mean, maybe make sure they're around. I don't know. The following day, Ronald confessed to killing his entire family himself. He told police, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. So, I mean, I just couldn't stop. It's like eating Pringles. Once you pop, you don't stop. Oh, that's horrible. That's bad. That was so bad. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So, um, Ronald told the police that at 3.30 a.m. he had gone into his parents' room and shot them each twice. Then he went to each of his siblings' rooms, shooting them each once. Now, remember I told you it was a thirty-five caliber rifle? Yeah. He's going through the house, starting at his parents, and shooting his way through the rest of his family. How did nobody hear this gun go off? Right. Like, not even once. I think it'd be pretty loud. Like, I, I'm really stuck on this. I keep going back to it, but I just don't understand how none of them woke up for this. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. He hit, so he, then he told the police, you know, after he'd gone through and shot them all, he then went and took a bath. Got redressed, and he got rid of his bloody clothes and the rifle and the cartridges, and then he went to work for that day. Like nothing happened. Like nothing happened. Well, he also worked with his father, so he just told all their co-workers that his father was sick. Sick of his shit. I'm sure he was sick of his shit after he fell and killed him. So his trial began on October 14th of 1975. Ronald and his lawyer, William Weber, tried to argue an insanity plea, claiming that the murders were in self-defense because Ronald had heard his family's voices plotting to kill him, or plotting against him. Um, But the psychiatrist for the prosecution claimed that even though Ronald had, like, antisocial personality disorder and he did use illicit drugs like uh, heroin and LSD... He was aware of his actions during the times of the crime. So the insanity plea was not working out for him. Yeah. The judge, uh, Thomas Stark, actually said that the DeFeo crimes were the most heinous murders committed in the Suffolk County since its founding. 
and he had sentenced Ronald. He found him guilty of six counts of second-degree murder, and then he was sentenced to six 25-year life sentences. So, total of 150 years. Because I was curious and didn't manage. It never makes sense to me, like, 150 years. Nobody's going to live, like, that long, especially if he was already, what, 24? So it'd be 174, like. Right. Why do they not just be, like, it, you get life, it, however long you live? I think it's just to make sure, like, because a life sentence is 25 years. And they just want to make sure that they are not going to get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or that those those people that you murdered get their justice. Like, even though you're really not going to live this long, we're still sentencing you for their murder. Yeah. Kind of how I feel about it. I don't really know if that's true. I'm probably lying to all of you guys. Making stuff up. So, Ronald was sent to this Sullivan Correctional Facility where he actually stayed for the rest of his life. Made, like, multiple appeal attempts for parole, and all of them were denied. Good. And so I just kind of wanted to tell like so a few inconsistencies with his stories or like weird things about like the case that was are like okay come on buddy. Um during the interrogation Ronald claimed to have drugged his family prior to the shootings which if he did would make sense why they wouldn't have woken up. Yeah. But in the autopsies no drugs were found in any of their systems. So that's my detector test determined that was a lie. <laughs> so all the bodies were found face down in their beds with no sign of struggle. Like maybe they were just placed there after. You would think that there would be more blood around the house, though. Like it just seems so weird that all of them are laying there, same position, all shot in the head. Like it, it really doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, and then also on the rifle, they there was no, like, fittings or anything for a sound suppressor. So, they're also wondering, how did no one wake up? Yeah, I mean, well, four different bedrooms, five different bedrooms he had to go to to get to everybody. Sure. <laughs> well, I don't know, you've got his parents' bedroom. Right. And then, I don't know if well, any of them shared. I have no idea. I didn't check so, on that. Say three to four different bedrooms at least that he had to go to with no one waking up. Right. And, and shooting at some... shot four times in his parents' bedroom before he even left that room and he killed them first. I don't think all of the bedrooms were on the same level either. I think there were some downstairs and then some upstairs. Sure. I don't know. <laughs> Ryan did better research than Whitley did. <laughs> So, he claimed that his parents were plotting to kill him, so he killed them in self-defense. But then he had also turned around and asked police how to collect his parents' life insurance money. Kind of leading them to believe, like, okay, this is probably money-motivated. Um, Ronald and his father actually had a pretty volatile relationship. In a 1986 interview for Newsday, he actually claimed that he was married to a woman named Geraldine Gates at the time of the murders and was living in her new with her in New Jersey. It was proven that Geraldine was actually living in upstate New York at the time, married to a completely different man. Huh. So, so here's uh, some different stories that he's told about the murders, like, since they've happened, obviously. He wouldn't have told them before they happened. So the first one is in that 1986 interview I told you for Newsday. Um, he claimed that his sister Dawn had killed their father. And then their distraught mother killed all of his siblings with a rifle. Um, before he then killed his mother. Yeah. So Dawn killed the father. Mother was distraught, killed all the siblings, and then he killed his mother. Um, he stated that he took the blame because he was afraid to say anything negative about his mother to her father, which would be his grandpa, Michael Brigante. Brigante? I can't say that. Brigante Senior. And his father's uncle, out of fear that they would kill him. His father's uncle was 
Peter DeFeo, which was a he was a capital regime in the Genovese, Genovese crime family. So he's he's high up in the crime family, basically. Um, so in that interview, Ronald said that he was married to Geraldine Gates and he was living in New Jersey. And then his mother had phoned him to ask him to return back to their home to break up any fight between Don and their father. So he drives out to their home with Geraldine's brother, Richard Ramondo. So he drove back home with Geraldine's brother, Richard Ramondo, who was with him at the time of the murders and could verify his story, is what he's telling everyone. Hmm. So that's one story. This next story is he told in a 1990 interview. Um, he has said that Don and an unknown assailant who actually fled the house before Ronald could get a good look at him killed their parents and then Don killed their siblings. He said the only person that he killed was Don and that it was by accident as he struggled over the rifle. He then said that he was, again, married to Geraldine and that her brother was with him at the time of the murders. Evidence was submitted to the court from the Suffolk County District Attorney suggesting that Richard Romano actually did not exist and that Geraldine Gates was living in upstate New York married to someone else. Geraldine did not testify at his hearing because authorities had already confronted her about the false claims and in 1992 secured a statement under oath where she admitted that Ramondo was fictitious and that she did not actually marry um, Ronald until 1989 in anticipation of him filing this 440 motion that he was filing. So there... 1993 divorce case says that they they married in 1980 or met in 1985 married in 1989 and divorced in 1993 they're trying to say they were married clear back in 1974 when the murders happened so like 11 years later or that's when they met is 11 years after the murders so i'm assuming she must have been like some sort of like in pal or something so now, this last story, in a 2000 interview with Rick Osana, the author of The Night the DeFeos Died, Ronald had claimed that he had committed the murders with his sister Dawn and two friends, Augie De Janeiro and Bobby Kelsky, out of desperation because his parents had plotted to kill him. Um, DeFeo claimed that after a furious row with his father, he and his sister planned to kill their parents and that Don murdered the children in order to eliminate any witnesses. He said that he was enraged upon discovering his sister's action, knocked her unconscious on the bed and shot her in the head. Um, There was unburnt gunpowder on her nightgown, which he was trying to say proved that she shot the gun, but all it proved was that she was at the end of the gun when it was fired being shot basically so there was no evidence to prove that don was in a struggle either like he's saying that he struggled with her with the gun yeah and like she had no defensive wounds nothing so none of that so robert defeo died at age 69 on march 12th of 2021 so pretty recent yeah very recent and he was at the albany medical center and the official cause of his death has never been released to the public. Huh. So. It's weird that they would try and keep it a secret. Right. Like he died, but you can't know how. Right. I don't know if there was like secrecy really about it or if they just were like, you guys don't need to know. Should have got shot in the back of the head. Should have. It's like he did to his family. <laughs> so that is all I have to say about Robert DeFeo. And if you haven't figured it out yet, Brian is covering Amityville Horror House. Hell yeah, brother. For our little horrors. Our tiny little horrors. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think I'm just going to call him that. It works. Everyone will be offended by me. <laughs> so anyway. Tell me about it, stud. So it's been more than 45 years since George and Kathy Lutz fled their house in Amityville, Long Island, claiming it was haunted by evil spirits. The Lutz couple and their three young kids moved into the house, which they had purchased for whopping $80,000, which they thought was a steal. Uh, Come to find out that it was haunted. I would buy a haunted house for $80,000. Not this haunted house. <laughs> I would. You couldn't pay me to you live in this haunted house. I'd rent rooms out in that house and make so much money. You, probably you don't even have to stay there. These guys only stayed there for 28 days. That's how. You know how many times I have quick. to stay there? Zero. Me too. <laughs> that's how it's quick. Not for sale. No, it's not. I think last time I saw that it sold, I think was in 2017 for like $600,000. Damn. So it went up. Yeah. Well, up. <laughs> when the Lutzes bought it, it was in 1975. So. That makes uh, sense when yeah. the murders were in 1974. Quite a few years ago. Yeah. When the couple moved in, they had uh, called up a priest to kind of come bless the house because of the murders and everything that had happened there. And from what they had heard, um, people were saying that the reason that Ronald DeFeo had murdered his family is because he was... The voices told him to do it, and so they're like, obviously, Which, there's right. That was part of his defense. It's yeah. like, oh, I heard them say voices, blah blah blah. Yeah, so crazy. So they're like, well, let's have a priest come and kind of bless the house before we move in and see how that goes. And the priest kind of went in and started blessing the house, and he went up to this. I believe it was they were going to make it the sewing room, and. Like as soon as he entered the room, he felt like a slap in the face, but there was nothing there. And then he heard like a very distinct voice say, get out. And so like he, he kind of, he just <laughs> he's took all, off. He's like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> and for that reason, I may. <laughs> so soon after that, Priest came and he wasn't able to really do much because of how evil the spirits were in this house. Uh, the couple said they began noticing odd things around the house, such as like weird odors. They said it would smell like the New York sewers in their house. Yeah. I've never been to New York, but I bet their sewers are real bad. Probably. And they started noticing like green slime coming out of like the walls and the ceilings and stuff. Like an ectoplasm? Yeah. Okay. Kind of something like that, along those lines. And then... Uh, or did their kids throw their slime on the roof? Because that seems like something my kids would do. Could have been. I don't know if that... I, it wasn't me, Mom. It's coming out of the house. <laughs> it's it the wasn't house. Me. I don't know. That's what our kids... Everything in the house, the ghost did it. Because yeah. our kids never do anything. It was the ghost. It was the, it was the bathroom ghost. <laughs> we have a bathroom ghost. Or a light that turns on with motion, and when our heater stuff kicks on, it moves the curtains in the shower and causes the light to come on. Either way, it's but a we like ghost. we like to call it our bathroom ghost. And so he's a shitty ghost. <laughs> Maybe it's a she. Could be. It's a shitty she ghost. <laughs> it's blue sheet. It's blue sheet. It's blue sheet. So, not only are they seeing the slime and stuff coming out of the walls, they're noticing doors being ripped off of hinges, cabinets slamming, like just all sorts of weird noises throughout the house. And they'll just be walking around, and like cabinet doors will open and slam shut. And we're back. From our intermission of children fighting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, pretty much when they move in, they start hearing and seeing weird things about the house, uh, such as doors being ripped from hinges, uh, cabinets 
opening and slamming shut, the uh, green slime coming out of the walls, like a almost like an ectoplasm kind of slime. Okay. Just coming out of the walls and the ceilings and like you already told me about. I did. <laughs> but we had an intermission, so I had oh, to redo sorry. it. Okay. I'm with you. So um all of the boys in the family it's like they would get like super aggressive and get angry and the girls would be like the complete opposite. They'd be like nothing is going on and calm and like they didn't feel any energy or anything. Yeah. It's like the the energy made the boys like angry all the time and which were they oh. were they all on pre workout? Probably. Well, it says testosterone. So, what's going on? But technically, these are all Kathy's kids, and George just married into the family, so they're his stepkids. Oh, okay. And he was of a military background, so he kind of had that more stern kind of yeah. yeah. So on top of um, the guys in the family being more aggressive, and the girls. Not really feeling the spirit, and they're just kind of like nothing's going on. Feeling the spirit. Not feeling the spirit. I don't feel the spirit. <laughs> Lord, please help me feel the spirit. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> you don't want to feel it. Um, George would wake up at three fifteen every morning, which is from when they about the time they said the murders actually happened in the DeFeo family. And that's not what I read. Just kidding. Well, it's 3.30, so right. 3.15, 3.30. Anyway, he would wake up to different sounds all the time. Like, sometimes he'd hear a door slam. Sometimes it would be a gunshot. Sometimes he would hear, like, music or screams. It was just different noises that would wake him up at that exact time every morning that they were in the house. Almost like he was hearing the murders. Yeah. Oh. And uh, sometimes, like, so each time he would wake up in different locations like if the he would hear the door slam he would wake up and he'd be in the basement or if he heard the gunshot he would wake up outside of the house oh wow so it was like he was just being transported to these different locations with the different sounds was he being transported or was he sleepwalking could be sleepwalking <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if he's being transported by ghosts in this house the, you see him flowing. Just how stuff went. Which their daughter, Missy, had began speaking to an imaginary or perhaps demonic entity named Jody. So some imaginary friend that they just... And she didn't have an imaginary friend before they moved in? No. Which she the room she had was one of the little girls' rooms that was part of the DeFeo family. So they thought... They think that it was her. But she just named herself Jody after she died. <laughs> yes. She's like, I'm Jody now. Right? <laughs> Kathy, the mom, claimed to have levitated above her bed, arising from the disturbance with welts on her chest. Yeah. Yeah. And on one occasion, George heard a marching band in the living room. But when he went to investigate, he found all of the furniture shoved to one side of the living room. Like it just got moved within an instant and then he had to move well, it all back. The marching band needed room to march. <laughs> he needed room to practice, sir. Excuse me, sir, but we're practicing. It reminds me of um, the ride Haunted Mansion with the ghosts with the instruments and stuff playing. Uh oh. I was just thinking more like stand. SpongeBob in the dome. <laughs> Sweet victory. Yeah. As for Kathy, she reported invisible hands hitting and scratching her. And when she put a crucifix in the living room, she hung it on the wall. And they said you could sit there and watch it spin upside down, like an upside down cross. Uh -huh. And it would emit this like awful smell. Cross? Yeah. That's like, that like part of the smells they get like smell throughout the house when it Did they say what it smelled like? Like the sewage stuff. Like so like someone was sitting next to the cross and farting. Yeah. And then they was were like freed? they were freed <laughs> spinning that cross. That is weird though. Yeah. 
So on top of this crap, like this one, I'm still freaked out by. So the all the children started sleeping on their stomachs in the exact same position they found all the DeFeo children murdered. Oh, I don't like that. That's right? freaking weird. It's, uh, it's weird. And George, walking throughout the house downstairs, claimed he tripped over a small lion sculpture in the living room, and when he looked at his foot, he found bite marks. A lion bit him? <laughs> it did. Nick, so you say lion sculpture, but all I can picture is like those lions that sit on people's front porches, like the big little gargoyle things. No, there's lion ones. Well, I know, but they look like kind of like the little gargoyle statues. Yeah, like with the ball, and they've got their paws on the ball. <laughs> what? There's just a little one now? Yeah. And so he found bite marks. And things got creepier still when George took the statue upstairs, only to later find it had somehow made its way back downstairs. So he was like, this thing bit my foot. I'm going to take it upstairs. <laughs> you better go to the attic. So throughout the house, there were super cold spots. Like you'd be standing in one spot, walk five feet, and it would be like a 20 degree spike in temperature change for the cold. or decrease. Oh, sorry. I was like, wait a minute. And no matter how hot, like, they got the house, the furnace was, like, at its max, and George couldn't stay warm. Like, he was constantly walking around with the blanket on. They would, like, a lot of the rooms, they said he would get to, like, 100 degrees, and he would still freeze in those rooms. So it's like it's, like, inside of him or something. Something, yeah. It's, so it, Jordan's basically the one that's most affected then. Yeah. So, sounds like he's, like, the main one. But the main target? A lot, I mean, for 28 days, these guys lived in this house. It, I would have been out the first day and be like, yeah, peace. <laughs> Except you just bought a house for right? 80000 And the 80000 back then is a lot of money. You it can't is. just be like, bye. Yeah. You know what I mean? That probably still would have been like that. Well, I think if you're actually in that situation, you have a different outlook. Because, I mean, that's, it's it's a lot of money and you're tied up in it. It is. So, when, like, in the first few days when they were moving in, uh, it was the oldest son. They sent him to the playroom to put a box in there. And when he walked in, he said there was a swarm of four to five hundred flies in there. and when they moved in, it was like the beginning of December, so it was cold where flies shouldn't even be around at the time. And you said four to five hundred, like a a lot of flies. Like this is like the inspiration is this for. Does he know how to count? Yeah. So it was a lot of flies. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the inspiration for the Exorcist, actually, with the all the flies and the priest wasn't in there when the flies were there, but. Right. Still the inspiration. And that would gross me out. I hate flies anyway. So this next part is weird. So they would kill all these flies. And then they would go and tell somebody, be like, hey, I just killed all these flies. Come look at them. They'd go back up there. There were no bodies on the ground from the flies they had killed. Like, no live flies anywhere. They just completely disappeared. So, like... They were just all gone. Yeah. Like one second, they're all there. Yeah. And then he goes downstairs and be like, hey, I killed all these flies up here. Come look. And they go back up there. Nothing. I mean, at least you don't have the cleanup door. Four to five hundred flies is a you lot of damn you flies. You still have the fun of killing the flies without the cleanup. I mean, maybe if you had the assault gun. Yeah. That'd be fun. Like shooting fish in a barrel. Right. So, uh, Kathy also, on top of. Like George hearing the gunshot and waking him up, would have these visions where she's actually looking through DeFeo's eyes while he murdered his family and could go more into detail than what the newspapers would even have by like giving order in which they were killed and all the stuff that the newspapers didn't even know about. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. It was like, that is. That would be horrific though. It'd be like, I would not want to live that right you know what i mean like uh and i mean it went to such an extent that even the family dog would try to commit suicide but while running uh, chained up 
to the point where it would start choking itself and just keep going. Or when they had it chained up and it was by a fence, it would try and jump over the fence, even though the chain wasn't long enough to reach over the fence. Maybe it was just trying to get away. Maybe not commit suicide, but get away. No, little. It might have been, but this is how they worded it in this. In that. Yeah. In the interview they did. And so there was this boathouse on the property. And the family would witness, like, the garage door of it, like, opening and slamming shut all the time. And it wouldn't stay closed. So all the family would go out and hold it closed. And then one day, when the oldest son and George went to close the boathouse door, they looked back at the house up into the window of the little girl's room and seen a cartoon character-looking pig with red eyes and wolf-like teeth smiling at them. Which they say, like, that portrayal of a pig is, like, in demonic folklore. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of nasty. That would be freaking horrible. And that's the little girl that has the imaginary friend. I'm thinking that demonic pig is her imaginary friend. And she likes it? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, so. Maybe the little girl's a demon. Maybe. But so after seeing that, the dad and the son immediately ran upstairs to the little girl's room. And when they get up there, she's not in there. And the rocking chair in there is like rocking back and forth like something had just gotten out of it. Oh, no. Yeah. And it says when they came back, like a couple hours later, like it was still rocking at the so same time. So it was speed. like it was sitting in it. like Yeah. And they just couldn't see it. Something. Oh. Either that or it left and was just rocking. Uh, oh. Yeah, well, two there. hours later, it wouldn't just still be. Yeah, there's somebody sitting behind there rocking it. That they couldn't or see. Sitting or in, sitting. No, I mean I like know. an entity I sitting know what in you're it. You're talking about. Um, I was gonna tell you just a side. Like I just wanted to go off to the side here, <laughs> where you were talking about the garage door and how they couldn't and couldn't keep it shut and they were all holding it. Yeah. So when we were little, <laughs> my grandpa used to get so pissed at us. Because we would go down in the basement because that's where their garage was. Like, yeah. It was a split level. <laughs> and we, all of the cousins would line up and one would push the button to open the garage and we would all just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> How long we can hold on? I'm pretty sure we broke that garage. <laughs> Grandpa would be so pissed. Uh, that's just what I thought of when you're like, they're trying to hold it down. I just pictured us all holding it, waiting for it to go up. <laughs> Shout out to the cousins. What, what? <laughs> so after they had seen this pig and went up there and there was nobody there, anytime they would see this, their little sister slash daughter, in the in a mirror or like through a window, this pig would be there, and then when they would like double take and look again, it would be gone. Like, like oh my god, yeah. Like so, if oh. I looked out this window and you were standing there, or the little girl standing there, away real fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I came back. The pig would be like right next to her, all Whoa. the time. So that's freaking creepy i'd be like i'm sorry lennon but i have to kick you out of my house now because you have a demon attached to you so this uh they say i don't know how they got the name jody from what i read it said was one of the girls that had been shot which she read off the names and that wasn't one of them right um but it was so it got so bad with her and this imaginary friend it had poked her out onto the roof of the house and told her, if you jump, we can be friends forever. And the mom ended up catching her before she was able to jump. Oh my gosh, that would be horrible. Yeah. So that's why I think, again, while they're thinking it was one of the girls saying, hey, we can be friends if you jump because then you'll be dead. I just don't feel like it would be one of the girls because, I mean, it's a gross pig, first of all. And... Also, none of the little girls were bad. Actually, there was the youngest one was nine and it was a boy. Yeah. So and then the, the other girl, I want to say, was like 
18 to 15 or yeah. is it 18 yeah so anyway so her mom caught her before she was able to jump off of the roof that was lucky yeah so with the smell that they were getting in the house and with the crucifix and everything they were going around trying to open windows and a lot of them were stuck shut like didn't want to open at all Mm-hmm. And so the oldest had went over to a window and was trying to open it, and he finally got it open. Well, one of the other kids had walked over and was like, "Hey, did you get it open?" And right as soon as he went to turn around to say yes, he had had his hands in the window, and the window slammed shut, cr- it crushed what? his hands so bad the bone was just gone, like it was skin to skin. Ew. And so the dad, George. Kathy and then I think George had a friend over and they all came over to try and open this window up and none of them could get the window open. So it latched to get like it, it just... was just shut, like stuck shut. Oh my gosh. Oh, could but, you imagine? Yeah. Why so the stuff? the second that they stopped trying to open the window, it opened by itself. What the hell? Yeah. So Kathy grabs him, takes him down to the kitchen. He sits down at the table and she goes not taking him to the hospital. She goes to get him some ice for put on his fingers. She gets a hospital. Right? So well back then maybe it, they try and take care of stuff at home. Your fingers are almost detached, but have some ice. Right? It's gonna help. <laughs> okay. I'm, so I'm sorry. He's sitting at the table with his hands on the table. And he, his mom went to go get some ice. He looks over at the doorway and sees this full-body apparition, spirit, whatever you want to call it, standing there. And it walks towards him, walks through the table, through his hands, sits in the chair next to him to where, I'm assuming they had like some sort of cushions on him because he said he could see the imprint of the spirit sitting at the table next to him. And when he looked over, went to look over at it and looked back at his hands, they were completely 100% healed. Like, bone back, everything. What the heck? Yeah. This sounds like a girl I used to know. Her name was Laura the Liar. <laughs> and one I don't know. time, she told me that she broke her leg the night before, but magically it was healed the next day. And I did not like her because she lies. <laughs> With everything going on in this house, like it's just something I can see happening. I don't know right. how or why, but yeah, that's creepy as hell. Yeah, I so... mean, maybe that's why they didn't go to the hospital. They knew the ghost was coming. The ghost healer. So, the same kid. Uh, one day he he said he remembers getting in a fight with George, and so he was going up to his room to kind of calm down and his mom was following him telling him to get come back and work things out and he got about i think it was halfway up the stairs and he said that something just picked him up and threw him up the stairs and like the mom witnessed like the whole thing and was like yeah he picked him up threw him up the stairs and then Kathy came up after him, and she said when she got up there, you could tell it wasn't him, like, his body had been possessed. Oh, gross, so, like, something jumped into his body? Yeah, and, like, ripped him up the stairs, and he's, so he said he remembers having it inside of him, because, like, his eyes were glazed over, and then he said the second his mom touched him, he felt it transfer from him to her. And he could tell that it wasn't her because her eyes became glazed over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's creepy as hell. It is very, very creepy. I'd touch you. (laughs) (laughs) Not in a dirty way, you guys. I just give him the demon. So, on the 28th day, two of the boys had experienced their beds levitating and, like, ramming into each other. Even though, so it says they were, like, cemented to the floor. I don't know if they were just, like, attached to the floor or actually, like, cemented to the floor. But, yeah, they lifted off the floor and were, like, ramming into each other. 
What were the beds? Oh, they were sleeping in their beds. Beds be cemented to the floor. I don't know. This was I. So I'm saying I don't know if they were actually like cemented to the floor or if they were just like bolted down, bolted down or something. That's still weird. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so they start screaming, and turn wakes George up. He tries to get up, but he can't. And he said it felt like something was sitting on his chest. Like not allowing sleep paralysis, not not allowing him to get up to go help the boys. Mm-hmm. And he said he looked over at Kathy and she was levitating off the bed. Oh, hell. And so he grabbed onto her arm to, so she didn't float away. <laughs> and once once he grabbed her arm, she looked over at him, and he noticed she had aged like tremendously. He said she looked like 90 years old. Oh my gosh. And they said that it took um, about an hour for that aged process to go away. Oh my gosh. They should have took a picture of her. I would have believed it more. They must. I don't think they were really into pictures back then, but who knows? So anyway, after all this stuff occurs, they go to call the priest and... The two phones, it's the middle level, because they had it downstairs. Right. So middle level, uh, George went to call the priest. Both the phones there weren't working. They were just getting static. And he had had another one in the basement for his work. And so he went down and was able to reach the priest on that one. And when he called him, he's like, I don't know why you guys are still there. Like, get your kids and get out of that house. Oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, it was the middle of the night. And they, so they didn't even grab anything. They just went and grabbed the kids, got in the car, and took off. And they left for good, moving to San Diego to get a far, as far away from the house as they could. Um. So, question. Yes. Do you think that when they had the priest come in the beginning, he did not bless the house, but he cursed the house? Because this seems like his fault. I don't think so. I'm just kidding. I know. It just seems weird to me that nobody else had, besides crazy pants that killed his family, mm-hmm. had any paranormal experience. And then the priest comes. He's like, I'm blessing it in here, guys. <laughs> Come get these guys. <laughs> I won't get this house full of steel. I'm just, <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. That's super crazy, though. Yeah. Like, just within a span of not even a month, really, unless you're counting February. I count February. Well, it's part I mean, of like, the year. Day wise, like, February is 28 days, except for on a leap year. So it's a month. Yeah. So, but all the other months aren't. So that's why I said almost a month, unless it's February. Unless you count February. <laughs> I usually do. Usually do. <laughs> Yeah, so 28 days that all this crap happened. 28 days later. Oh, and in a thing that I found out, the oldest son, even after he moved out of the house, continued to have these nightmares where he would be either in the dog's body while it was trying to commit suicide, or he would have nightmares of the dog trying to kill him. Oh my god. And that's like they said he still has them to this day. That's weird. Yeah. Was the dog mean after that? I don't I didn't Did say the dog actually hang itself. Don't believe so. Okay. Said it would try, that would but be really sad. Yeah. Like I said. That would be a story to tell. But yeah, they said it would like constantly bark at that boathouse, which I mean dogs are super Good about oh, sensing yeah. bad stuff and I hate that shit. Right? Stinking dogs have to scare me. <laughs> <laughs> the worst is when something weird happens, like a sleep paralysis, and then you wake up and your dogs are like, and you're like, and you I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> Please, Lord, save me. I am sorry for all I've done. <laughs> um I liked doing a combined episode. It was kind of fun. Fun. Enjoyed it. 
Just don't have a sleep paralysis where you levitate and turn into an old lady on me. No. <laughs> he had the sleep paralysis. She was just turning into an old lady. I know. It would be cool to wake up levitating, though, because I'd be like, you left. You got me that pixie dust. <laughs> you can? Where are you? Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun, fun time. Anything you want to say to conclude your episode? That I would never want to live in this house or a house like that. I wouldn't either. I probably wouldn't make it. The, like I'd see the green slime and be like, yeah, I'm out. I'd see, see the green slime and be like, Lennon, <laughs> quit it. He's <laughs> all outside. He's like, I haven't even been in the house yet. Well, then I'd move on to Grayson. And then I'd move on to Creed. Because it was one of them. Guaranteed. What about the smell? That was Creed. We all know this. What about the crucifix turning upside down? Was the devil? Select <laughs> that foosball. All right. Well, I had fun. You had fun. I hope you guys had fun. We appreciate all the well, all the the couple requests that we've had for episodes, and yeah, we got a couple more. Did you see them? I seen one that Drew sent me. Okay, Sydney sent another one too on the Facebook page. So sweet. So we got. We'll, a we'll add more. those to the mix. You guys keep requesting for Brian. I know nobody, nobody requests, requests for Whitley. Requests for me. Nobody requests for me. It's because I'm so good at picking my episodes, guys. Apparently, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I do understand like paranormals a little bit more. Spicy, interesting. Yeah. And true crime's a little more demented. <laughs> but, no, we the suggestions are fun. We like them. Hopefully, we can start getting some user stories. User stories. <laughs> <laughs> some listener stories. We would definitely like listener stories. Even if they're small little ones. Like, you can send anonymous ones. You don't have to tell us your name. Or even ask us to keep your name anonymous. Yeah. We would definitely like to do that. So send them stories in. Yeah. And. Oh, send them to deathlyafraidpod at gmail.com. Look us up on Instagram. Or Facebook. Or Facebook. We don't have a Twitter because I'm old and I don't know how to Twitter. Or an OnlyFans. (laughs) Just kidding. There is no OnlyFans. Just a feet finder. (laughs) Uh, Thanks, guys. We had fun. And we will see you next time. Bye.